be invited here to Plaster Rock to this great, great, wonderful church. I haven't met any of you besides your pastor and his wife and family, but that was enough to convince me that I wanted to come. Amen. Meeting good, godly, clean, wholesome people is certainly an enjoyable thing in the day and age and time that we're living in. Amen. And I, I listened as I heard you all singing from the very start of the service, and I thought, you know, God could have faked me out. He could have let me gone in a trance somewhere down in Burbank, California, and let me hear some tapes singing of the Plaster Rock Church, and I'd have thought I was in heaven. Amen. Because I'm telling you, such beautiful, beautiful singing, worship and loving God. Amen. I, I just hadn't heard any quite on this level. But I'm enjoying it, loving it, having a great time. And I'm thrilled to be here with you. And I count it a great honor to uh, involve myself with the ministry of Brother Bo and Brother Booker. If God had given me my choice, Amen. There are no two finer men that I know that I'd enjoy preaching a meeting with than these two brothers. You know Brother Bo from past experience and time. You just wait till you get acquainted with Brother Booker tomorrow night. Amen. You are in for some great, wonderful, wonderful times. We're delighted to be here. Thank you for the invitation to come and get acquainted. Amen. Let's just have church around here, can we? Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I, I mean, you know, not everybody that lives down in California by Hollywood acts like them and wants to be like them. We believe in having church. Now, I'm convinced that you folks do too. Amen. We want to have a good time in God, and I pray that I can just be a small part of a blessing here for this week. Turn with me in your Bible, if you will, as I read to you from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 10. 10th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, I would like to read to you there, amen. 1 Samuel, chapter 10. First four verses of Scripture for my text tonight. I was over here at the church this afternoon and thinking about me having to do the kickoff, you know, for this uh, meeting here this week. And I looked out and I saw Brother Bo running a touchdown run out there on that ball field. And all of the young bucks, he was leaving them in the dust. I'm telling you, I watched it with my own eyes. You're just going to have to believe me. Amen. He just, he just put it all on there. I thought, my, my, my. I'm glad I only have to do the kickoff around here. <laughs> Amen. First Samuel chapter 10, verse number 1, it said, And then Samuel took a vial of oil poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, 
Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and sorrow for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hand. My text tonight is found in verse number 3. I like the way the Bible said they were going up to God to Bethel. Hallelujah. Amen. But it said one was carrying three kids. And every lady in the house tonight that is a mama says, thank God a man finally got his turn at trying to lug along three kids at the same time going to church one day. But you know too well for me to fake you out with that because when the Bible talks about kids, it's talking about baby goats. We all know that, don't we? Maybe that's what my mom and dad meant when they hollered, you kids, get in here. But I want to preach to you tonight on this subject, overloaded with goats. Overloaded with goats. Praise God. Not to have a little cute title for you to remember what I have to say by, but to try to help you and I from the Word of God. Would you pray with me together, dear God? Thank you, Lord, right now for this privilege, God, standing and declaring the Word of God. I praise you for it. I thank you for it, living God. I am asking you, God, even as your unction and anointing, Lord, has been on this conference for 61 years in the past, God. I'm praying, do it again, O oh God. Let the power and the presence the unction, the anointing, the blessing of the Almighty God rest upon the preaching, O God, of this conference. Allow your mighty spirit, God, to directly meet individual needs, Lord, of the worshipers that are here. Anoint your servant tonight, my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The message that I preach to you tonight, I want to tell you from the very, very beginning, I am fully aware that there is an inherent risk that goes along with preaching 
what I'm going to preach tonight. Because there are some people that have a mindset and a mentality about them in playing games with God, in playing games with their own conscience, playing games with forgiveness, playing games with all that goes on in their Christian journey and their attempts at living for God, and they can easily take what I want to preach tonight and twist it around for their own good and their own benefit. But I'm here to tell you tonight the reason why I'm taking the risk anyhow is because those kind of people aren't going to make it to heaven anyway. Those kind of people will never walk on streets of gold and there's no message that I could preach that could help them and assure them of getting there. But I am preaching tonight because I am well aware that there are some struggles that good, godly, conscientious people that love God, that deeply love God, way down in their heart, that are living a regular, consistent lifestyle that is pleasing to the Almighty God. Hallelujah. And they are the ones that are worth preaching to. They are ones like I and many others that I have met. From time to time, we get overloaded with goats. Don't know, don't understand exactly what to do with them and how to take care of them and how to get the relief that is needed uh, with our conscience and what is going on. I don't know how it is up here in your country of Canada, but down in the United States where I'm from, the ladies have uh, taken to high fashion of decorating their houses and identifying with some particular animal that is there. Now, I, I don't know what there is about that, that that uh, or how they even draw the connection as to what's going to be the family mascot or, or which breed of animal is the one that means the most to them, but for some it's ducks. And I'm telling you, you see ducks in the kitchen, you see ducks in the bathroom, you see ducks on the towels, you see ducks everywhere you go in their guest bedroom there's ducks in the wallpaper you better watch out amen they they like it some it's pigs others it's cats some it's sheep oh i i like the place where i was at that the uh, preacher was a bit overweight kind of like i am you know and i walked inside the bathroom there and saw the sweetest most pleasant sign she had up for her husband there that had a little ewe lamb on it, and it said, you not fat, you just fluffy. Oh, oh I liked it. I thought, oh, that, that's class, man. I, I Identifying with that kind of an animal. For some, it's dogs. I mean, whether it's basset hounds or... Or, or whether it's beagles or whether it's something else, they, they want to identify with that. If you came to the White House, that is the one that's in Southern California, you would discover that my wife is crazy about cows. 
I, I don't know all of what, what has happened in her life. She was raised in West Texas, you know, and I, I went there and there's not many cows around there, but I'm telling you, she has got more cows than what you could ever raise in any dairy farm that you have ever seen in the country of Canada. She has got them everywhere. The, the worst one is that, that one that hangs out of the wall in the kitchen. And my, my, when I'm trying to do the midnight raid of the refrigerator, you know, and I don't want her and nobody else to know that I'm up, I, I have ran smack dab into that thing uh, and knocked it off the wall just trying to get some cookies and milk or, you know, something else. And uh, she's just got cows everywhere. But to this day, I have yet to meet the first lady that decorated with goats. Now, if you do, tell me after the service tonight. I certainly don't mean to embarrass you at all. Yes, I have drank goat's milk, and I liked it. Yes, there are dishes that them Mexicans make down where I live out of goat meat, and man, it was good. But some way, some reason, I mean, the pig's a dirty animal, but they'll decorate with pigs. But a goat has got a red distinction about him above all of the animals that God ever did create. And it is a filthy, stinking creature. It's got a rare form of cologne that it wears. <laughs> Amen. That you don't even have to splash any of it on you. I promise you, you just get within 18 inches of a goat uh, and the aroma of that goat uh, will crawl up under your fingernails uh, and linger there for many, many days to come. Uh, a goat has a way of reminding you where he's been. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm telling you, long time after he's gone, he has a way of letting you know I've been here. Uh -huh. And you ain't got rid of me yet. I remember as a boy going and playing, you know, I, I was raised with a uh, family that was a large family, and we would go to church. My father founded a church, the first oneness church in that city of Tucson, Arizona, and, uh, man, we'd go to church on Sundays, and, and all of us kids would sit there on the front row. All eight of the little white kids would sit there along with Mama. We'd listen to the preaching that was there. And I couldn't wait till Dad got done because on Sunday afternoon, I loved going out to the Hoffman farm. Now, if that's your name, please don't get angry with me. I didn't know about it. Amen. I love going out there because they had goats out there on their farm. And I'd go out there as a boy, and I'd get out there with them Hoffman boys. And besides that, there was 13 kids in the Hoffman family. You talk about a Sunday school drive, brother. We had it uh, when we'd get just two families together at church. And, and the 13 kids, and man, they had a pen out there that had some goats in it. And, and the funnest remembrance that I have as a boy was getting in there with them old experienced veteran Hoffman boys 
and doing my best to try to grab a hold of one of those little goats and wrestle that fella outside of the pen before the nanny or the billy got to me. Yeah. And you talk about a trick, my friend. It, it was high-risk business that I was in, and, and I, I'd do it. Oh, I'd love it. We'd get out there, we'd just have more fun. And oh, I've got buddied by them old goats and, and knocked over and climbed the fence. And whoa, it, it was major. We, we'd just have a blast. You know, little boys nowadays think all the fun's in these little electronic games and, and remote-controlled cars. And Ah, uh, oh, that ain't where it's at. I'm telling you, wrestling goats is where all the fun is. You guys, you know that up in Canada, don't you? That, that's where it really, really is. Just getting in there and, oh, we'd have a blast. And then we'd get back to church that night, and my sisters, they didn't have any class at all. They'd sit there on the pew beside me and they'd say, Pew! Hell up! I'd say, What? What? You know, the Hoffmans didn't have running water out on their farm. And besides that, if they had it, I mean, what eight year old boy takes a bath unless he's just forced to, to have to do it? I'd say, What? They'd say, you smell like the Hoffman boys. And I'd say, I don't smell anything. <laughs> Not, I don't smell a thing. What's the matter with you? Woo, and one of them starts fanning in a little bit, and, and they just start doing all kinds of commotion. It's amazing I didn't grow up with a complex, isn't it? Having, having to live with that kind of stuff. And, oh, man, they just oh, make all kinds of fun. And, oh, go take a bath. Uh, go back to the bathroom and wash up at least. And, and I just sit there and say, honestly, Gracie, really, Kay? Uh, honestly, I, I don't smell anything at all. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. The amazing thing about a goat is the longer you handle him, the more you get used to the smell. Uh-huh. You get so accustomed to the smell of that old coat that is there. Amen. And the others aren't used to it. They can identify real quick uh, that you've been handling some goats. Now, the Bible tells us a story, and I didn't make it up just, just to fit something here tonight, but the Bible tells us a story. One day, Samuel gave some instruction unto Saul. He anointed him. He said, you're the captain over the Lord's inheritance. He said, you're going to go from me today, and you are going to pass through a graveyard. There's going to be two men there. You're going to have a conversation with them about some donkeys. And when you leave there, you're going on to the plain of Tabor. When you get to the plain of Tabor, you're going to run across three men that are going up to God to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. They were on their way ascending uh, to the hill of God uh, to bring worship unto the Lord. Uh, he said one of those men is going to have three loaves of bread. The second fella is going to have a bottle of wine. But the third guy is going to be carrying along with him to go to God's house uh, three goats. 
I've read that and thought, God, I can't figure that one out for nothing. Not even Phil Hoffman could have handled three live goats at the same time. You said, well, maybe he killed her. Uh-uh, you couldn't bring dead sacrifices to the house of God. They had to be alive. I don't know what kind of headlock he put on one and put on the other. And the third one, maybe he wrapped his legs around his neck and, and took off the strings out from his sandals and tied them legs all up. Guarantee you he wasn't a happy camper by the time he got to God's house. And can you imagine this spiritual masochist that is carrying three bucking, snorting, bad breath goats? All the way, the Bible says, from the plain of Tabor all the way to Bethel. I don't know where he was on the plain of Tabor, but if he was on the far side, the journey could have been 20 miles. Uh-huh. If he was halfway there, maybe it was 10 miles. But, but just suffice it to say, it wasn't walking across the street with these goats that it was a little bit of a journey that this fella had decided. And for whatever reason, the fella decided to do it. I will never, never, never know why one man must have been a glutton for punishments, all I know. Didn't have enough sense uh, to look over at the fella with the two loaves of bread uh, and say, it's time to share the wealth, buddy. Give me a loaf of bread and I'll give you one of these goats. Uh, or the fella over there with the bottle of wine and said, you take a turn now. Uh, I ain't carrying all of these goats uh, all the way to God's house. Uh, but he did. He took them all with him uh, all the way to God's house. I've looked in the scripture and I have found some things in the scripture that were associated with goats. The very first mention in the Bible of a goat was associated with deception. Genesis chapter 27, Jacob and his mama decided that they were going to deceive daddy into making and receiving the birthright that he wanted. But he was a little too slick on the arms, and so they had to find some way to get him to feel a little more hairy so he would be like his brother. And guess what kind of an animal they killed in order to get some hair on his arm? Brilliant. Y'all are catching on already. You'll, you'll have it all down pat before I get done here tonight. Uh, they killed a goat. The badge of deception. A well-laid plot between Mama and the son as to how to fake out Daddy and to how to be just a little bit deceptive with him. Now, now I'm not sure I'm preaching in the right place tonight because... None of you folks ever have a problem with deception, do you? No. No, nobody around here likes that, do you? You, you? you never have the common weakness that, that most all of the flesh that I know of has the weakness. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you was down at the store, lady, and got you a dress, and you really, really didn't want your husband to know you spent the money on that dress. 
And so you hid it way back in the back of the closet. Oh, yeah. And when you finally pulled it out of the back of the closet uh, and wore it one Sunday night to church, uh, he said, baby, where did you get that dress? Uh, and you said, oh, I've had it for a long time. <laughs> now, nobody up here ever have any troubles like that, do you? Do you? Uh -uh. No, 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 no way. You're not made out of the same mud balls that us Yankees are down in the U.S., are you? No, no, no. I kind of doubt it. Inside of all of us, there's this struggle that we have with, I'm not talking about, you know, just out and out being big fat liars, but at times it's a little easier to be deceptive than it is to be really totally honest in all situations. Read the story of the man that one time, he was a Texas Ranger. That was a lawman. And uh, he went down to chase after one of those Mexican desperados that had come across the border into the state of Texas and was robbing all of the banks that was there doing all kinds of things and he got by with it for many years. Texas Ranger decided to follow his trail, found out which city down in Mexico he lived in and found out exactly what cantina, that's their bars down there, that he could find the fella in. And he said he uh, went up, sneaked up, found him standing there at the stool by the bar and he pulled out his six-shooter and he held it to his head. And he began to bark out some orders to him. I, I forgot what the fella's name was, but, you know, just a good Western name. Oh, Juan Perone, let's say he called him. He said, Juan! He said, I'm telling you, I'm a Texas Ranger. And he said, I'm going to blow your brains out if you don't tell me where every bit of the gold and the money you've stolen from U.S. banks is at, you've had it. You're dead right now. Juan just started shaking like a leaf and trembling all over, and the cantina just cleared out. I mean, nobody wanted to mess with the Texas lawman. They, they all just headed out, and he held the gun there. And finally, one enterprising bilingual young man stood at the door. He said, Senor, Senor, he said, Juan does not understand any English. He said, please, you cannot shoot him. He doesn't understand English. He said, well, obviously you do. He said, get over here and tell him in Spanish what I just told him. He got over there and started telling him all about it, you know, in Spanish. And boy, Juan Perón shaking all the more. He said, please, please, in Spanish. He said, tell him, please don't shoot. Uh, tell him that I'll be honest this one time. I, I really will. He said, tell him, I'll take him right now. If you'll just trust me, I'll tell him in advance. Uh, if we'll go out the building uh, and down past the edge of town uh, and right past the old oak tree, uh, turn to the left there, and there's an abandoned well, and the third step down of that well, it lifts up, and inside of there is all the gold and all the cash that I've ever stolen. His interpreter looked around. He said, Mr. Ranger, Juan is a very brave man. 
he said he is now ready to die. No, 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 nobody around here ever has a problem that when it's just a little bit more convenient to deceive just a little bit, you know, after all, uh, we're all just human anyway. But I am convinced uh, that I'm preaching to some saints of God uh, that at least once in your life, at least once in your life, you touch that old goat called deception. You touched him at least once. Next place that I found goats, they were associated with jealousy. Genesis, the 37th chapter, when Joseph's brothers wanted to sell him off but had to have the alibi for daddy, hey, guess what? They had to put some blood on that coat of many colors. And what kind of blood do you think it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. That old jealousy inside of their heart uh, that said, I can't stand it. This guy's getting all the attention. This guy gets daddy's favor. This guy gets everything going his way. Uh, and oh, we got to get rid of him uh, and cover up the evidence. In all the province of New Brunswick, ain't nobody ever has trouble with any jealous feelings. When somebody else gets asked to sing the lead song in the choir, <laughs> and you know you can sing at least as good as she can, <laughs> when somebody else gets asked to play the drums, or that fella gets asked to give the solo on his sax, and you know you can play circles around him on your sax, you just you just know good and well. Ain't, ain't nobody has any struggles with that in Plaster Rock. Uh, on a youth service, you know, when he was the one that got the chance uh, to give the sermonette. Oh, my, 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 my. When you've been practicing that in the prayer room for the last 90 days, uh, and you got a sermonette that knock them all dead, uh, you know good and well uh, Oh, if anybody could just ever hear you preach. Woo, brother. Amen. If Brother McKillop just knew, he wouldn't waste money on plane tickets uh, to bring people up here uh, to preach at this conference. Uh, he'd just use all the local talent. Uh, amen. And, and you ain't ever had your chance yet, but you just know you could do it. Never, never any problem with jealousy when, when she, when she gets to marry the guy that you, <laughs> you wanted to marry. <laughs> you don't have any problem washing her feet that year at <laughs> communion time, do you? Uh-uh. It's, oh, I just love you, sister. I love you to death. I love you to death, sister. I, I just really do. I promise you, you've handled that goat at least once. At least once. You've 
you, you, you've had to wrestle with that old goat uh, that left you living in the shadows somewhere behind somebody that you thought was nearly as deserving as what you are. Uh, and you know in your heart you pray more than they do. Uh, you know you love God more than they do. Uh, you know you, you really got it all together. Next place I found goats, they were associated with immorality. I won't ask for a show of hands on this one, please, please. <laughs> but Judah had a little affair with that harlot that was there, and boy, she was a high-priced lady. Guess what her price was? Price of that old prostitute was a goat. That, that, that's what she got, was a goat. And ever since that day, that's all anybody's got that's ever committed fornication, that's ever committed adultery. They have got the lingering remembrance of a goat to deal with. Amen. That's on their mind, that's on their conscience, that's on their heart, that's on them. Uh, from that point on, when they go to the house of God uh, and they want to worship, they want to love God, they want to praise God, they want to magnify the name of the Lord. Uh, but every time they are reminded the goat that was there. I found the goat to be associated with rebellion. Samson's rebellious marriage done in defiance of godly counsel. <laughs> Anybody brave enough to admit at least once in your life you've gone against the godly counsel that your pastor's given to you? <laughs> Any? No, no, I... I'm seeing halos tonight. There's, there's some of you I can tell. I, I'm just missing and I could preach all night long. Uh, and, and you'd never own up to any of it at all. Uh, but oh, my friend, uh, the struggle that comes along. Uh, with, with There are times uh, that our pastor says to do something. Uh, and oh, if we hadn't learned yet, uh, amen, the residue that it leaves behind. Uh, there's something inside of us uh, that said, oh, well, I, I'm not sure he understands in my circumstance. Uh, now, that may be good counsel for everybody else under normal circumstance, uh, but in mine, I, I'm not absolutely positive uh, that the pastor really knows. Uh, and I tell the folks down home, the real test of how much Holy Ghost you've got is not how much you talk in tongues. It's when your will and my will meet head on. That's the real test of how much Holy Ghost you've got to see if you can submit in those moments. Uh, but all of us uh, have tried the boundaries from time to time, uh, and we know what it's like uh, to go against godly counsel uh, and to be left as Samson was. Uh, his gift to his heathen wife that was there was the gift of a goat uh, that was given unto her. Well, what are you preaching about tonight, Brother White? Uh, I am preaching that all of us uh, have handled goats, uh, and there are mistakes that we have made in life, uh, and there are failures that have come uh, across our pathway, and we have a struggle in our mind uh, 
trying to equate the forgiveness of God to the deeds that we have done. And we have the remorse and the feeling that says, I have now got to carry these goats with me to God's house. When I go to worship God, I've got to be reminded of my failure, of my rebellion, of my jealousy, of my immorality, of my rebellion, of all that I have done. I have tried in dealing with people that I pastor that have problems with goats. I've preached about the blood. I promise you, brethren, that I have preached it from Genesis to Revelation. I have preached every form and fashion of forgiveness and the blood of Jesus Christ and all that it can do. And I've had people still sit there, amen, goats under their arms, goats around their shoulders, goats with them. They think that's what it's all about. That when I go to Bethel, I gotta drag along a big heavy load of a bunch of goats along with me. Oh, my friend, I've got a question to ask you tonight. This first night of this conference, I want to ask you, my friend, did Jesus pay it all or did he not? Amen. If all Jesus paid was the down payment for forgiveness for sin, and you and I are left to pay the installments out for the next several months while we're feeling all guilty and all down and all discouraged, if that's all that he paid, we need to rip up that Bible and throw it out. I'm telling you the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible that cleanses us from all sin. His blood covers all transgressions. Hallelujah. I preach to people. Amen. I'm talking about deep, deep entwined sin uh, and drugs. Uh, amen. Involving crime. Uh, involving murder. Uh, I'm talking about people sitting on the pew uh, that had an affair on the job uh, with a man on the job and her husband never knew about it. And she got pregnant uh, and had an abortion that killed to cover up the evidence. Uh, and the husband still doesn't know about it. Uh, to have a lady sit in the office uh, and tell all about that. Uh, and to hang her head and say, Brother White, uh, you just don't understand. Uh, I know I'm forgiven, uh, but I still have to pay. Uh, I still have to pay for it. Uh, I'm going to pay. I said, oh, sister, I'm telling you, your mind will never erase it. Uh, your mind will always, uh, amen, remember it. Uh, hallelujah. But the first one to forgive you uh, will always be Jesus. Uh, the last one to forgive you uh, will always be yourself. Uh, you're harder on yourself uh, than what anybody else is. Uh, my God paid a price uh, on a hill called Mount Calvary uh, that said you and I uh, do not have to carry ghosts uh, to the house of God when we come to worship. Brother White, now, now, boy, I'm sure glad you're preaching this message because, whoo, man, whoo, I, I, 
uh, you know, anytime I sin, now you, you don't believe in that sitting people down or taking them out of office or, oh, no, 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 twist it all up. If that's where your mind is at, amen, you ain't worth preaching to. Uh, Amen. Sure, I believe in all of that. Sure, I do it at home. Uh, amen. It helps people. Let them to know God's forgiven, but you're going to have to restore some confidence uh, in the hearts and the minds of the people. Uh, amen. That you're going to live right. You're going to do right. Uh, but hey, God's put it under the blood. Amen. Them old goats. Oh, oh, they want us to carry them along with us to God's house. You know why? Because if we, if we drag them to God's house, <laughs> we ain't got no bounce left when we get there. <laughs> we ain't got no joy left uh, when it's time to sing and lift our hands. Uh, woo! We ain't got no lightness in our feet, uh, amen, when it's time to dance and shout and run uh, and praise the name of the Lord uh, because we are semi-comatose by the time we get to church. Lugging them dudes around all day. Amen. I remember a while back I I had my two boys with me in the car and boy, here we came. I whipped into a gas station and you know there was a line here and a line there and I thought I saw an opening. I whipped around the car. I got in there and jumped out of the car to put in some gas. Now I'm talking Los Angeles, you know, where they pack pistols and uh, AK-47s and, and everything else and shoot you on the freeway for looking funny at them and, you know, all of that stuff. And I just whipped in there and all of a sudden, this guy in a big truck, I didn't see him waiting on there. He lays on the He looks at me, you know, showing me all his pearly whites and his fangs too. And he, he looks at me just kind of like that. I got out of the car and, well, I do too know what got a hold of me. Is that old flesh that I have to live with every day. I thought, I ain't got to take this from him. Hmm. Hmm. I walked over to the cab of his truck. I said, what's the problem? You're glad I'm telling off on me and not on you, aren't you? Hmm. He looked at me and said, well, no problem. Get your gas. Thank you, sir. Fuck that and pump my gas. Got in the car and drove off a few blocks down the road and yeah. oh my 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 ha oh, them old goats was crawling all over me. I, I knew I'd had it. We was having church that night, you know, and uh, woo, it's gonna be a rough day. And I decided, look, I'm gonna cut this thing off at the pass. There ain't no sense in going any further. I wheeled over to the side of the road. I called my two boys, PJ, Matt. I said, boys, boys, come right up here. Dad's got something to tell you. They came up and they leaned up in the car and one looked at me. I said, Daddy, I want both of you boys to know. Put my arm around him. I said, I'm sorry for what I just done. I said, Daddy did wrong at that gas station. Oh, they loved every minute of it. They had never seen Dad act that way before. They loved it because, oh, that could justify them duking it out any time they wanted, you know. It, wow, this was neat, you know. Dad just acting like he was some big bad warrior, you know, from, from somewhere, a street gang fighter. And, and they loved it. They said, Daddy, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right. It's okay, Daddy, everything's fine. I said, no, it's not all right. 
as a bad example of a Christian father. I said, and I'm telling you, boys, I'm sorry. I said, if we wasn't so far, the man's already gone. I'd go back and let you see me apologize to him. I said, I was completely, completely wrong. Please forgive me, boys. They got misty-eyed. You know how boys do. When they see Dad starting to cry, they just can't hardly take it, you know. It's just too much. We drove on. Got to church that night. Man, it was just one of those services. I'm telling you, in the middle of the song service, folks started leaping for joy. People started running around the aisles. And I'm just one of those preachers that's dumb enough to think that I'm not supposed to be a spectator when I come to church. I mean, I, I'm just one of them that's dumb enough to think that if saints can have fun, so can I. <laughs> Woo! Hey man, I can dance too and shout and talk in tongues and, and make a few laps around the church. Uh, hey man, if they ever slow down enough for me to get in. Uh, and oh, I, I thought, wow, this feels good around here. I thought, here I go. Oh, tell them old goats. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it'd probably not be the best night for me to run tonight. And, to shout and do any of that. I'll just act like I got indigestion or something up here on the platform, you know, and it just wouldn't be a good night because it, he was reminding me, what, what if some of those folks, you know, that 76 gas station just right down the road from the church and bound to have been people there that knew you, knew you the pastor of the church down the road and, and what if some of them came in tonight what if that truck driver walked in the door tonight? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun, you up there bebopping for Jesus uh, with a big smile on your mug? Uh, and he walks in and says, that's the guy, uh, amen, that wanted to pick a fight with me down uh, at the gas station. I thought, oh, God, no. Uh, I'm going to wait till the next service, uh, and then I'll really worship God. Uh, but all oh, things got to get louder and louder and freer and freer and freer. Uh, and finally, I just stood there, uh, and I said, Now, God, uh, I've already repented over that sin that I did. Uh, I've already told you I'm sorry. Uh, I've already told my boys I'm sorry. Uh, if I could find the truck driver, I'd tell him I'm sorry. Uh, but just just because I did wrong, uh, there ain't no sense in me taking it out on you, God. Uh, you are still worth and to magnify you and to worship your name. Them old goats will get on you, my friend. How come most family fights happen just before church? <laughs> well, 
How come it's such a struggle? Uh, driving in the parking lot of the church. Uh, driving side by side. Uh, you know, uh, just kind of looking at one another uh, as if to say we'll finish this after church. Uh, sweetheart, uh, it's time for us uh, to get on into God's house. Uh, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, can I get a witness on any of that here tonight? Amen. And the man, hallelujah, the man goes inside the prayer room and bows his knee before God and tells God what a raunchy old duty was and how bad it was and please forgive me, God. And he comes back. Well, his wife only seen him when he got out of the car. And he comes back. What she didn't know is that he parked the goats back there in the prayer room. And he comes into the house of God and it's time to sing. And he lifts his hands up to God, she looked at him. I double dog dare you to worship God tonight, fella. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know where I'm coming from, don't you? And them old goats said, take me along. If you're going to Bethel, take me with you. Take me, give me a free ride. Oh my God, something's got to happen inside of us. That said, when I go to God's house, I go to worship Him. And if I've repented of that sin, if I've told God I'm sorry, I've got a right to worship and to glorify and to magnify the name of the Lord and to give Him praise. Praise and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible talks a whole lot about goats, you know. The Old Testament and all, all of that stuff and bringing them in, into the house of God. And sure enough, yeah, but even with goats, the scapegoat was the only one that was to carry it around. The child of God was supposed to go free. And Jesus said, whom the Son sets free <laughs> Woo! is free indeed. Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Who walk not after the flesh. I'm going to tell you, friend, we need a revelation of what I'm preaching about here tonight. Uh, three times in the Bible. I know there's brilliant Bible scholars here tonight that can straighten me out. But three times in the Bible, the Scripture says that you are not to boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. Now, I'll be real honest with you, man. I've looked at that Scripture, those three different ones, and I've read the verses above it. I've read the verses below it. I've read the context. I've read what all of the commentaries had to say about it. And ain't none of them made a bit of sense to me. <laughs> I finally talked to a Jewish rabbi. And I asked him. I said, what in the world does this mean here? About not boiling a baby goat in his mother's milk. He said, well, what that means is that God forbade us from drinking milk and eating meat at the same meal. I said, if that was it, why didn't he say a cow with a calf at least one of the three times? 
Why didn't he use any other animals? Why was it that he only picked on the goats the three different times that he said, you're not to see the baby goat in his mother's milk? I don't have an amazing revelation here for you tonight, but I, I, got, a, I got an idea. You can just kind of see whether you think it fits or not. God knew that goats would be associated with mistakes. God knew that goats would be associated with things off in the past and failures that have been done. You know what this preacher believes? I believe the Almighty God put it in there for all time and eternity uh, to say you are not uh, to boil, uh, amen, one younger generation uh, in the nectar of the mistakes uh, of the generation uh, that came before it. Uh, you are not to, to hamstring one, amen, with the mistakes uh, that were made by his mama or by his daddy. Uh, I'm going to tell you, friend, uh, we all stand on level ground uh, when we come to the foot of the cross. Uh, if you're a fourth generation uh, or a fifth generation oneness Pentecostal, uh, thank God that you are. Uh, but I got news for you, friend. Uh, if your mama, amen, was a filthy, immoral tramp, uh, if your daddy was an alcoholic, uh, amen, if your daddy uh, was a dirty, rotten sock uh, and the biggest crook uh, that ever lived in these neck of the woods, uh, the Almighty God says, uh-uh. I'm not going to ruin that child in the mistakes of the past. They have an equal chance to come to God, to live for God, to be cleansed of their sin, to be washed of their iniquity, to be purified by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Let me tell you, friend. Yeah, I know some of us got these ideas in our head that are all twisted up. I sat one day at the table with a preacher and his family, little children that was there, and I watched this little girl. She was just at a real awkward stage there. She tried to reach for something across the table. She knocked over a big glass of milk that came flooding, kind of like Grand Falls I saw over there today toward me and I was already in my suit already for church that night and I jumped up but still got some of it on me. Daddy reached over and picked up that little girl and he marched her and he said, come on, go with me. I mean that girl just buckets of tears. She started crying. She said, no, Daddy. He said, no, Daddy, I wish I were an adult. Dad stopped. We stopped. Everybody looked around and stopped. He said, honey, I warned you. You've got to be more careful at the table. I promised you discipline. You did it over and over again. She said, daddy, oh, I wish I were an adult. He said, honey, why is that? He said, because adults never do spill milk, do they? 
You guess whether she got a spanking or not. I'm here to tell you, friend, every adult I've ever met does spill milk. Amen. Every parent that I've ever met, uh, we make mistakes with our children uh, that we would to God. Uh, we could take it all back uh, and do it all over again. Uh, but my friend, uh, we're not bringing any glory to God uh, to come to his house, uh, amen, and drape a bunch of goats around us uh, over mistakes uh, and spilled milk uh, that we have done in the past. Uh, we need to wake up and say, my God, the only way you get glory and honor is when I bury all of my mistakes under the blood of a lamb and I come and I worship and I come and I praise you. Had a preacher, had a preacher come up to me, put his arms around me. He said, please pray for me. I was off in another state. I said, I will. What is it? He said, please pray for me. He was the pastor of the church there. He said, the devil's been tormenting me. I said, how's that? He said, you know my dad, and I did know his dad, happened to have been the pastor of the largest oneness church in that state back in the past. He said, you knew my dad fell into adultery, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. He said, the devil's been tormenting me lately. He's been telling me, try all you want. Pray all you want. Fast all you want. I'm going to get you in the same trap that I got your daddy in. Do whatever you want to do. But you're destined, my friend. You're made out of the same flesh and blood. The same weaknesses that your daddy has. The same everything. One day, you're going to fall into that sin. And I'm preaching to people here. Amen. God help us. I know there's plenty of you uh, that got plenty of reason to be proud uh, of everybody that's in your family tree. Uh, but there are some of us, uh, amen, that realize and understand, uh, my God, they're not all folks that I could be proud of uh, that loved you. Some of them brought reproach uh, and shame to the church of the living God. Uh, I got good news for you, brother. I got good news for you sister. God said uh-uh. You're not gonna boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. If they want to live for God they can. If they want to be an overcomer they can. If they want to serve God they can. If they want to be mighty in the spirit they can. Amen. Amen. Brother White. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Old Testament is full of goats. And I close tonight to tell you. The difference is the Old Testament is full of all kinds of commands of goats. But when it comes to the New Testament, the only mention of goats is like what the blood of bulls and goats could not do. In the New Testament, 
It's the prophet standing on the banks of the river Jordan saying, Behold the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. It's no longer goats, but now it's the Lamb. The Lamb. The book of Revelation said uh, when we get there, we're going to hear beautiful sounds uh, of people saying, Worthy uh, is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You say, but Brother White, you never made the mistakes that I've made. You've never done what I've done. That's what you think. You had done what I had done. You couldn't worship when you come to church. You know what the difference is? You got your mind on the goats. And by God's grace, I've got my mind on the lamb. <laughs> and when I'm reminded of that awful failure of mine, Instead of shriveling up and shrinking in the corner and loading on the goats, I just can't sit still because I think after all the lamb took care of for me, I've got all the more reason to praise him. I've got all the more reason to rejoice and to love him and to praise him. After all, He's forgiven me of. You know why some of you have a struggle getting out in the aisle and dancing? It's not all bursitis and arthritis and rheumatism. Because I've gone and watched the senior citizens do the square dances in the parks. And I've watched them just, I, I mean, they're way on, well, well stricken in years. And I've watched them just, hoop and hard, carry on and smile and laugh. You know why some of you have a hard time breaking out and just dancing when it's time to dance in the house of God? Because you and three goats can't dance very good together. <laughs> you know why you can't run the aisles? We can't build them wide enough for you and a herd of goats to get around. We just can't do it. Those that worship in God's house are those that park their goats. Hallelujah. Under the blood of the Lamb. And they come to God's house and say, Redeemed am I. Forgiven am I. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. He took my sins away. He took them all away. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There are those here tonight that the Almighty God has sent a messenger by. You have been struggling, struggling, failures, mistakes, spilled milk that you know you can't pick back up ever, ever again. And it's robbed you of the precious joy of coming to Bethel and eating the bread and drinking the wine and feasting on the blessings of the Almighty God and your soul being nourished and fed and replenished and you walking out of here feeling like a new man, a new woman, uh, regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. God wants you tonight to come and park every goat that you've ever carried and bury it deep beneath His blood and learn that God's house is a place where I go to have liberty, to worship Him, to thank Him for all of His forgiveness and not to kick myself over and over, reminding myself of all of my mistakes. I don't know if you're courageous enough to be willing to walk down to the aisle tonight and say, I don't care what everybody else in this church thinks about me. I don't care they can think whatever they want to think. But I know I've been struggling with at least one goat. And I've been struggling with it. And I'm coming tonight to get victory over it. In Jesus' name. As we sing, if you're willing to do it, come on to this altar. Come on to this altar. Come on. Bow before the Almighty God. Kneel before Him tonight. Yes, God, sing for us, sister. Amen. God bless you, brothers. God bless you, sisters. God bless you. Amen. Oh, yes, yes, yes.
Thank you.